Hey y'all, this is the Christ Center Conversations Podcast, and I'm Shelby Stanfill. And I'm Kevin Stanfill. Each week, we come together and discuss the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy listening to this week's episode. Welcome to episode Onse. I was going to say it. <laughs> yeah, I think it is Shelby's turn. <laughs> I like you looked at me right before you started and I was like, all right, it's my turn and he's gonna let me say it and then Bam, welcome. Yeah. I'm just too excited about today's episode. The Tree of Life. Lehi's vision. Chapter eight, everybody. First Nephi, by the way. <clears throat> that is where we're at. We just as a uh um preamble. We did discuss a little bit about how to um, how to begin or, or conduct this podcast episode, just in terms of like how we should organize it. But I think I came to the to the understanding that the spirit should always guide these podcast episodes, and our attempts to organize it in some way or another can kind of detract from the spirit that we're trying to bring. And last time, after we hit the stop on the record, Shelby and I kind of talked and we're like, well, how do you think this episode went? And meaning episode 10, by the way. Correct. The last episode. And Shelby, what, what did we... <laughs> what did we think about that? We thought that we were preaching or we were teaching like preaching more than we should have we weren't uh like having conversations guided by the spirit necessarily we felt like we were more um you have to do this and you have to do that and it says this and it says that so we're sorry (laughs) well and i don't want i don't want to apologize for preaching because that is a a commandment to preach the the gospel of jesus christ by the spirit i don't know if that's true I think we were, we were definitely okay, inspired, yeah, I take that back. but we were just, we weren't asking each other as many questions as we normally do. We yeah. weren't having a conversation. We were just taking bullet points, not that we had them written down, but we were kind of in our minds. We had like, well, right. this is something really important that I think people should know. And this is something that, you know, and so, yeah, that I think, yeah, that was, inter- that was a good point. Like, oh, well, this is something that I think is really important, so I'm going to say this. And then Shelby's like, well, I think this is really important, so I'm going to say this. But it didn't necessarily tie together. It did, but it did. I don't know. There's been better days on the podcast. And I think we're coming to learn who our audience is and what they expect and what they would like from the podcast. And I think they would like us to start talking. Yeah. Like, conversational. Mm-hmm. So... Um, we did have the chance to read the eighth chapter of First Nephi in the Book of Mormon this week. I hope you did too. If not, go you, read it. You can repent, go back and read it, and listen to this podcast. <laughs> so, um, Shelby, do you want to kind of get us started? Like, where do we find Lehi at the time of his vision? So, um, bringing it back to just a review, they had went to Jerusalem, got Ishmael, 
um, and his family, and now they, they're all there. So not only is it Lehi's family now, but it's also Ishmael's family. And they're having, they're getting married, and they're having kids, and they're, they're multiplying and replenishing the earth in the wilderness. And so this is when that vision comes, which is interesting that it comes after uh, Ishmael's brought. But anyway, so that's, that's the point where we're at in the, in the scriptures, like historic-wise. I think that the reason that it was important this vision occur after their families had been united mm -hmm. is because a lot of what's discussed or a lot of what is gleaned in this vision by Lehi has to do with his family and the posterity. Mm. But let's let's go ahead and dive in and okay. we'll get to that point. So he starts off like right away. Well, I guess not right away. Yeah, he does. Verse two. So <laughs> they have brought together um, seeds of every kind is what it says in verse one. Um, and they're in the wilderness. And then Lehi's like, hey, I've dreamed a dream, and I've talked about dreams on here before, so I can't remember which episode it was, but um, dreams are a way of revelation, and he says, I've seen a vision. And then he goes in to tell his family about this vision. And um, I really, Kevin talks about the Book of Mormon videos that are out now, which are amazing. Um, this one, I think it was great. He gathered them in a tent, and he sat them all down in a circle, and begins to tell what he saw in this vision. Um, and he right away says, I have reason to rejoice in the Lord because of Nephi and also of Sam. But then he says, But behold, Laman and Lemuel, I fear exceedingly because of you. For methought I saw in my dream a dark and dreary wilderness. And that's the point where he starts to talk about the vision. So he first talks about his children, and then he goes in to see what, goes in to say what he saw in his vision. So do you have any thoughts on anything well, I just said? He he makes it relevant to them, right? He says, hey, I, I right. dreamed a, a dream. And the reason that I brought you all together in this family council right. is because it impacts you directly. This is not, this isn't so much a prophecy of for Jerusalem as was the one previous. Right. The the right. the dream or vision that he had back in chapter one and two, that was more on a, a larger scale for the entire people of Jerusalem. This is very specific to his family and their spiritual well being. Which shows us that today we can have very specific revelation for our families. Mm -hmm. And there is reason to counsel about that revelation that we receive. And so that's just a little applicable thing we can take from that. Um, but going on right away, he says, he, he really starts in verse uh, 5 of chapter 8. He says, And it came to pass that I saw a man, and he was dressed in a white robe, and he came and stood before me. And it came to pass that he spake unto me and bade me follow him. And it came to pass that as I followed him, I beheld myself that I was in a dark and dreary race, waste. So right away, uh, this angel uh, he started following him and he's going through this path of darkness. And Shelby, why do you think an angel would have led him into a dark and dreary waste? Um, because that was the, well, we know that that was the only way he could get to the tree. Yeah. Or to the iron rod, which we're going to talk about soon. 
Well, he, you know, we, we also see that as soon as he was brought to that dark and dreary waste, and he, it says in verse 8, he had traveled for the space of many hours in the darkness that he began to pray. Mm-hmm. And this shows a little bit of character of Lehi that when things got hard or things got dark, he, he turned to the Lord. And I think that's a very important thing to take away from this vision. Well, and I want to tie that into verse 9. So you just touched on 8, and then 9 says, And it came to pass that I had prayed unto the Lord after, sorry, it came to pass after I had prayed unto the Lord, I beheld a large and spacious field. So he had to wander in that wilderness almost to find God and get out of there, you know? We also kind of, like, if we think about the the vision, because this is the vision of the tree of life, and he's in this dark and dreary wilderness. And for some reason, I thought of the wilderness being like the wilderness that he's currently in in the in the real world, like in and oh. around Jerusalem, right. where it's probably like shrubby desert. But I don't know. It's possible that it could be more of like a, a wooded wilderness because obviously there is this tree, but it's in the midst of a great field. And so he's like on the outskirts of this spacious field in this wilderness where it's just dark. And then he comes and enters into a, a, a spacious field. After which, he's prayed. Yeah, which is likened unto the world, right? That's what it symbolizes, the world. And it also, in that um, verse 9, footnote A, which is the only footnote, it takes us to a... A scripture in Matthew, which actually talks about missionary work and the field being ready to harvest. Hmm. And so there's work to be done in this field. It's a little little insight that I had. You know, it's interesting because when I when I think of the world in the vision of the tree of life, I actually think of the great and spacious mm. building. And so when you said that, I was like, wait a minute. And I, I'm, I have my scriptures in front of me from seminary, and um, when I jump over to First Nephi 10, I have this little insert in there of all these, like the symbols. So it says like tree, fruit, great and spacious field, wrought iron, and then it says interpretation in one of the boxes. And great and spacious field does say world. And the great and spacious building says pride of the world, mm-hmm. vain imaginations, pride. Do you know where I learned the interpretations? Of this, and I'm sure where they got those interpretations from? The cross references, like from 8 to 11 or 12? Yeah. No, it's in the chapter 11, which is Nephi learning about this vision more in depth. So, yeah, we, and I'm, I'm going to kind of jump ahead and talk about the interpretations that we learn of because we don't learn so much in this chapter about the interpretation of all the stuff, but we do later in a few chapters. And so when we get to each, um, each symbol, I thought it would be important to, to kind of bring that up early on and say, well, this is what this means. And this is what that means. Hmm. I like that. Um, Remind me of what you said before I went off on my thought. Mm, 
I think I had ended where I was talking about. I, I was just talking about the that there's work to do in this field. Gotcha. Well, yeah, and he sees the tree, right? Right in this field, he sees the tree, um, whose fruit was desirable to make one happy. And he goes forth and he partakes of that fruit, and it's white and it's very delicious to his soul. And it filled his soul with so much joy, and he immediately wants to turn around and share it with his family. And so he turns around to try and find him, and that's when he sees a river of water, and it did run right along by the tree. And he looked, and he saw Sariah, Sam, and Nephi, and they weren't really sure where to go. And so he, you know, he calls after them. And he's like, come take this fruit, right? And he's trying to find Laman and Lemuel, uh, but he he finds them, but they don't come to his call. They don't, in 18 it says, And it came to pass that I saw them, but they would not come unto me and partake of the fruit. And I like one thing that everybody can learn from this is that as soon as somebody learns about the gospel of Jesus Christ and they become baptized and they become a member of the church and they receive the Holy Ghost, the the next step is sharing it, right? Like, if you feel that happy and you've received these blessings, just like Lehi was here, well, now I want to share it with my family. And there's a this... I forgot who said it. Maybe it's Joseph Smith. It was one of, like, when the church was first being um, established. But he said you could measure a man's level of conversion by his desire to share the gospel. And I think that's really encompassed in Lehi searching for his family after he partakes of this fruit and feels this joy. And so it just makes me... Um, I mean, I just found myself the other day when I was getting a haircut, uh, talking to the lady about the haircut about light the world, you know, mm-hmm. like I just, I wanted to talk to her about it so bad and she had, she had family in Laredo and I served my mission in McAllen, Texas and Laredo was part of my mission. I was like, oh, I served my mission there. And I mean, it's just like little things like that, that you're sharing, you're sharing the gospel like that. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, I think some people, they think it has to be inviting someone to church which is great um it could just be sharing your your belief in christ yeah you know because if they also are a follower of christ they may ask you well where do you go to church you know they'll kind of follow up with that if they'd rather not talk about religion they'll change the subject um we live in texas so it's <laughs> most people are going to want to talk about religion. <laughs> it, I, I can tell you that ev- at my work, every single time I like, I'll ask people, Hey, what are the big plans for the weekend? And they'll say whatever their plans are. And they'll ask me, what are your plans? And I'll say, well, I'm going to church, right? That's, those are my plans. Uh, or part of my plans. I'll, I'll probably say something else, <clears throat> whatever I'm doing, but I'll be like, yeah, I'm, you know, <clears throat> doing this and that. And then the normal church stuff on Sunday and and they'll ask me, oh, where do you go to church? And I'll say, well, it's actually really close to here. It's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And generally, 
there's always that uh, look in their eyes where... Oh, they're Mormon. Well, not always. <laughs> it's it's also like, oh, that's a long church name. <laughs> right? That's normally the look that I get. That's true. And then, but there have been times that people have been like, oh, yeah, I, I, I know some people who, who go to your church, you know, and it never goes anywhere, you know. Negative. Uh, or negative or, well, it's just a, I guess it's just neutral. But, because um, people aren't going to talk bad about your religion at, at your place of work. Nobody's going to go, you know, go down that route. But um, we're going off a little bit on a, on a tangent. But my whole point is I encourage our listeners, and I also encourage myself, to remember it doesn't have to be some great uh, effort to share the gospel it can be something simple, too. And for the kids that are listening, I know we're pretty far into this podcast, so if you're still listening, good job for you. But uh, for you guys sharing the gospel, it's just, I mean, tell them how you were in your primary program and how you got to sing a song about yeah. Jesus. And I got to go to the temple for my... Um, uh, my aunt's wedding. You know, like, yeah. I just... There's just, just saying what you do really is sharing the gospel. So. Yeah. Because if we're, if we are living the gospel, we should be able to find Same. everyday things that we do right. that can tie back to Christ and, and bring people, you know, closer to him. Speaking of coming closer to Jesus Christ, there is in the vision, a convenient rod of iron and verse 19 in verse 19 and it extended along the bank of the river and led to the tree by which i stood i being lehi now he also talks about the path a straight and narrow path which came along by the rod of iron even to the tree which i stood and it also led to the head of the fountain which i'm i'm it's actually the river the fountain and the river are right. the same thing unto a large and spacious field as if it had been a world so that's where we get the a part of the interpretation now i've always wondered because the river is actually not a good thing the river is not a good place to be you can drown in the river as we learn later so why would the rod of iron and the straight and narrow path be so close to the river. Hmm. Because there's opposition in all things. Do you want to expound upon that at all? Well, I think it's important to know what's on the other side of the river. Sure. Right. So, um, if you go forward... A couple of verses in verse 26, it said, And I cast my eyes round about and beheld on the other side of the river of water a great and spacious building. And it stood as it were high in the air above all the earth. And it was filled with people, both young and old, male and female. Exceedingly fine dress, attitude, mocking, all of that kind of stuff. So if you picture this in your mind, you have a, a spacious building, a river of water, and then a rod of iron leading to a tree. And they are all very close to each other. 
I think that it's that way for, like, in this dream for a reason. Because as you walk along the covenant path and you're on that iron rod, there are going to be people making fun of you right there. It's, they're not going to be far away where you can't see them and they can't see you. And so that's, I think that's why it's right there. I think that's why they're so close to each other because as you do right, there will be wrong all around you. Yeah. You know? But the thing is, the lightness will always cast out the darkness. And so even though that spacious building is very dark and full of people knocking and blah, 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 whatever they're doing over there, the lightness that you partake of and the joy that you feel from that fruit should, um, that will just make everything worth it when you get there. Right. You know? 100%. I couldn't have said it better. Um, Good, because I didn't really know what I was going to say. I was like, let's see. Yeah. See what comes out of my mouth. <laughs> In verse 23, there's also this mist of darkness that arises. And, and it says insomuch that they had commenced in the path or they who did they who had commenced in the path did lose their way that they wandered off and were lost and it came to pass that i beheld others pressing forward and they came forth and caught hold of the end of the iron rod the rod of iron and they did press forward through the mist of darkness clinging to the rod of iron even until they did come forth and partake of the fruit of the tree of life now and then, of course, this we're backtracking a little bit from the, the great and spacious building. But that mist of darkness, that's also one of these oppositions. There's this river. There's this mist of darkness. But there, there's a path and there's this rod of iron that's there to guide us. And we know from later interpretation found in the scriptures that the rod of iron is the word of God. So that means the scriptures. It means... The words of the prophets. Um, I even believe that it, it's the Holy Ghost's whisperings and teachings to us of what is true. What do you think? I thought about an experience I had at Young Women's, actually. Young Women's Camp. Um, I had read the Iron Rod. And it's one of those things that you hear about very young. Hold to the iron rod, the iron rod. You know that church song. Sure. And um, I think I was 12, no, 13, 14. It doesn't matter. The point is we had to um, hold on to a piece of string that represented the iron rod. And we had to walk through the woods. And um, I was nervous about being in the woods, walking through, holding on to the iron rod. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to see rocks and things. And what if there's dips? And, like, we were in the woods, dude, so <laughs> these things existed. Right. And so that was a fear I had originally going upon it. And they blindfolded me, and I couldn't see. Like, I made sure I really couldn't oh, see. Oh, wow. Like, legit. <laughs> you know when you, like, sometimes can look down and see your feet? <laughs> no, like, I made sure it was covered. So I really couldn't see, but... um, They, did, they orchestrated this wonderfully, because as soon as we started... All I heard was this mocking and laughing, and I and the lady told me I forgot who it was, but she was like, "Just hold on, do not let go of the rod. Your whole time, don't let go." And I was like, "Okay." I'm, I'm, I was determined to not let go. 
Like, I was like, I'm not letting go. And I'm, I, I hear the mocking right away. And then I'm walking and I start to hear people saying, just keep holding on. You know, just like these little faint voices. And then I hear other people saying, you need, you need to stop. Like, get off the rod. You're going the wrong way. You're going to run into a tree. And I, like, pause because I'm like, wait a minute. Am I really going to run into a tree? Yeah. Right? And then I'm like, no, they wouldn't do that. You know, the leaders right. wouldn't do that. And so I keep walking. And then there was this one voice. And they said, you need to let go so I can take you around a rock that you're going to hit. Wow. And I was like, okay, that's my safety. Right? Like, they're really concerned. So they, she got me with, like, a truth per se, but then a lie, which Satan always does. And so I go around, I let go. Oh my goodness. I let go and I think I'm going around this rock and then they take my blindfold off and I'm standing before the bishop of my ward and I'm like, what? And I like look around and I'm like not on the rod anymore. And I see all these other girls with their blindfolds on still walking and some had let go like me. And I just started bawling because I was like, I let go. Like, how could I let go? And then... They brought me back to the rod because they, you know, they, they talked about repentance and how that's a part of enduring and it's okay that you let go. We can get you back. Do you choose to come back? And I was like, yes, like with tears in my eyes. And the funniest part is I was like right at the end. I was like right sure. there and I could see it. And so I got back on, put my blindfold on and I, I did not let go the rest of the time and I made it. And at the end there was like, they had a picture of Christ and these lights and and I was just like so happy that I made it there. And I was like, well, how did I do that? Why did I let go? And I felt so bad. Um, but what I learned from that was that even if we let go, we can still come back. And we can still come back to the rod. And I mean, my determination then was even better than when I had first started. And if you remember in the beginning of the story, I said my fear was my safety. Well, right. that person played to my fear, and that's why I let go. So really be aware of what your fears are in the gospel, because Satan will play to them. Yeah. That was my thought. That is that is an incredible story. <laughs> that is really cool, too, that they they put together that. It was amazing. Wow. I'm not even going to lie. It was really good. And I will say one more thing. I got to BYU-Idaho, and they did something like this that was, it was even better orchestrated when I did a Get Connected thing, and I'll tell you, because I had let go before when I was 14, I did not let go that whole entire way, and I made it through the entire thing, yeah. and it was way better orchestrated. They had, like, this music playing, like, that sounded like the world, and then you could faintly hear the prophet's voice, and so they just placed you in some field, and you just had to find your way yeah. to the prophet, and so, anyway... I didn't let go that time, guys. <laughs> so now we come to when those people who had held tight to the iron rod, they get to the tree. Right. But, and after partaking of the fruit, they cast their eyes round about and were ashamed. And it is because of those, those Mocking. mockings and... And shouts from the great and spacious building, which, as we mentioned earlier, is the pride of the world. Mm -hmm. And in verse 27, 
this building is described, and it says, And it was filled with people, both old and young, both male and female. Their manner of dress was exceedingly fine, and they were in the attitude of mocking and pointing their fingers toward those who had come at and were partaking of the fruit. And after they had tasted of the fruit and they were ashamed, they fell away into forbidden paths and were lost. And so that goes back to what Shelby was talking about where, you know, you can, you can be drawn away from the rod. You can also be drawn away from the tree and the fruit. Yeah. Just because you are baptized, just because you enter the temple, receive your endowments, are sealed, you can be pulled away. You can drift away. And, you know, I, I was deemed less active in the church for several years uh, following my mission. And you would think, well, how in the world is somebody going to go for all that time, serve a mission, and then come back and not go to church? Well, it's more complicated than that. Didn't start that way. Yeah. And, and, you know, the first Sunday, I was still in, uh, in Plano. So I was close enough and I had the support group that they came and took me to church. The next weekend, I was down in Austin where my dad and my stepmom were living. And I was able to get them to take me to church. And from there, I got some phone numbers of people. And um, now I had a, a small support group there. And it was a family ward. And it was very active. Like, there were tons of new converts. And there was just a bunch of stuff going on in that ward. And so I went there for a few weeks. Eventually... Um, I felt prompted that I should go to the young single adult ward because that's where I should have been. I, I remember on my mission, I told countless young single adult aged people that they should not be going to a family ward just because they were more comfortable there. Um, they should go where the leaders had keys for them, right? The authority to administer keys. And I thought, well, this that's important. I need to go and possibly meet a, a young woman, right? All these things. It's psych. You won't. Holy <laughs> me, you years later. So, <laughs> but what had happened was now I was going to this YSA ward that met at a much later time. I didn't know anybody there. It was the the phone number on the LDS meeting house website was wrong for the bishop and I was like okay well this is kind of like hard this you know and and you know I then I started working on Sundays and you one started I'm, I'm just gonna be blunt here and it's not anything to you like against you because I love you but you started breaking the commandments well yeah you didn't keep the Sabbath day holy you like whatever it was you started it, to bring you yeah, were frankly i i wasn't living the the gospel standards in other ways either and so it's not like i was like holding tight to the iron rod but oh all these really tough things were coming up if i wanted to go i could have gone and there was one time that i actually walked um several miles 
to the meeting house. And I, I was like, well, now that I'm here and I meet some people, now I'm going to get phone numbers and I'm going to get connections and I'm going to be able to get here every week. And I was for several weeks able to get there. The problem, one problem that I came, well, I won't go into all that. I, I want to avoid tangents. But the point that I'm that I wanted to to I guess outline in my story was that it is possible to drift away and you're going to rationalize it. These people who were ashamed, I don't think it was just that they were they were ashamed because of the mockings of the world. They were like, they made rationalizations as to why they shouldn't be near the tree, why they couldn't do it right then. Well, I, oh, I really like this fruit and I really want to be a partaker of this fruit, but I just can't do it right now. So I'm going to go and do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to work or I'm going to get my life sorted out or, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready to live this commandment yet. And so I'll come back when I'm ready. And they were, they they fell away into forbidden paths. They were lost. That's the second type of people, right? Right. Some people can return, right? They can repent, right? Yeah. And there's the people that just wandered off and were lost. And there's the people that like pushed through and then were ashamed and fell away. Right. I see what you're saying. And then there's the people that caught hold of the rod and they did continually hold fast to the rod of iron until they came forth and fell down and partook of the fruit of the tree. Those people, jump down to 34, these are the words of my father, for as many as heeded them had not had fallen away. So this is the different, I may have jumped too soon. Let me go back. The people that continually held were not heeding the words of the world. But the people in 34 that fell away, it's because they heeded the words of the world. They heeded it. They they didn't... What did, Kevin, what does heeding mean? What does it mean to heed? Listen to. Like give um, attention to. Sure. Right? And so they didn't block it out, and that's why they fell away. And the people who kept going blocked it out because they realized that it wasn't about that big and spacious building. There was much more to life than that building, that that fruit was much better than anything they could ever get in that building. And they knew that without having to go to that building because yeah. they tasted of the fruit. You know what I'm saying? So there's people in the world that think that they know, and then they go into the building, and they experience all these things, and they and it's not what they were hoping for. And I bet you there are people that even came out of that building oh, 100%. and made it back to the tree, and they were like, "Oh, this is what I was looking for the whole time." Yeah, you're not. You're never stuck. Right. You're never stuck off the the right path. Um, anybody who makes you feel like because you've made mistakes, uh, now you're beyond saving or anything like that, that's baloney. It's true because the Savior atoned like for every single 
thing, anything you're passing through right now, the Savior already paid the price for it. To put it in these metaphorical terms, these, these symbols, the Savior knows what it's like to fall away and be lost. He knows what it's like to drown in the river. He knows what it is to be in that large and spacious building. Yeah. And and all of these things. The the fact is is that he overcame all of that. And because he overcame it, so can we. We can too if we rely on him. And we we rely on his arm and not the arm of flesh or the comforts of the world, the, the rationale of the world. Very true. And so these, so he talks about those different groups of people and, and what each group did and whatnot. And um, he says, Laman and Lemuel, you didn't partake in my fruit. And this is why I, I fear exceedingly for you because you didn't come and take of the fruit. And I'm, I'm very, and I love this. I'm not a parent, but one day I will be, and I can't wait to feel what it's like to be a parent. And if you are a parent, then listen, it says, He did exhort them with all the feeling of a tender parent, that they would hearken unto his words. And I, I don't know what that feels like, but I, I can't imagine the, the difficulty Lehi had in seeing his son's um, not come and he can't do anything about it and so this is why he came and he sat his whole family down to tell him about this vision because he was afraid that they were he wanted to change that vision he wanted them to come take of the fruit and that's a really good point this vision was not a, a it wasn't like a foreordination or a, a predestined outcome. Just because Lehi saw that Sam, Nephi, and Sariah partook of the fruit, and Laman and Lemuel did not, doesn't mean that that was going to happen. They still had their individual agency. And Nephi and Sam and Sariah could have fallen away. And Laman and Lemuel could have come forth and partaken of the fruit. So... You know, once again, no one's ever written off. Um, we, we all have our agency. We all can return to the path and partake of the sweet fruit. But we have to do certain things, right? The, the fruit is not going to come to us necessarily, though it is a, it is a free gift. Right. All we have to do is obey Christ and live the gospel and it's going to lead us there we were kind of talking about it earlier I, I shared my belief that I believe even people who don't know about the Book of Mormon and will never learn about it or, or never get the chance to learn about it as long as they're still living principles of the gospel that can be found in the Bible as well as other righteous paths in life, I think they'll, I mean, clearly, they'll ultimately be led to the tree of life. They'll be able to partake of the fruit. 
um, whether in this life, and if not, the next. Yeah, and um, I think it really matters what your intention is, because the people who were clinging and pressed forward and took the fruit, maybe their intention wasn't necessarily... I don't know. Maybe their intention was, oh, I'll try the fruit, and then I'll go try the building. That's a very good point. And so these people who you're talking about, they, if their intention is right, they're going to be led to the church, and they're going to recognize the truth. But their intention is, I already know it all, and I'm following Christ because that's what he said to do in the Bible. I mean, maybe it's going to be a little bit harder for them to see the truth see the gospel the restored gospel you know because they think they know the gospel really makes you humble i'll say that right sure because the restoration's ongoing and so we may think we know now but i mean there could be some things coming in five ten years that we're like oh wow i didn't know that you know like and really have to humble ourselves i i believe that that's why it's so important that there's a rod of iron right because you can you can get in that straight and narrow path and that is that is knowing christ's name the name of jesus christ and believing in him but if you're not taking hold of the rod of iron which is the word of god it's like i said it's the scriptures and it's the words of the living prophets then you're not going to get to the uh the tree of life it's just like in your story i mean you were you were on a path but if you didn't have the string which symbolized the rod of iron you would have gotten lost Mm, yeah because our our senses are dulled in this mortal life we're actually we're blinded by that veil right so you know the book of mormon it's the rod of iron I, I'm just very grateful for, um, I, where are the words? There, I, when I was a child, my parents taught me about Jesus Christ, and I'm so grateful they did, and they taught me I was a daughter of God, and I hope that everyone listening to this knows that, that they're a son or a daughter of God, and that he loves them. Um, but I didn't really come to understand that for myself till I was like 18. And I'm grateful for these little experiences they had when I was a youth. Though they were little, they I still remember them. And when I look back at the rod of iron and I think about the path that I've traveled so far, I'm just glad that I was at least headed that direction. Right, like I'm glad I wasn't led off necessarily. And if I was led off, it was frankly my own doing. I chose to do it, right? Um, and so when I think about the Book of Mormon and the Rod of Iron and continually pressing forward and all these things, I just hope that even if you're not going on the way that you want to, I just hope you're headed in that direction and that you can get closer and like literally just bind yourself to that rod. Because in the last days, there are going to be people falling off that rod, like right and left around you. And it's up to you to keep pressing forward 
because it's not going to be easy. It will not be easy. I can say that. I mean, it wasn't easy for Christ, so why would it be easy for us? So I just really hope that if anything, we can learn to really bind ourselves and keep pushing forward and just like almost not handcuff yourself to the rod, but like <laughs> do not let your hand come off that rod no matter what, because it's, it's the way, it is literally the way back to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I just, I know that. And I know it to be true, and I'm so grateful for all those experiences that have made it true to me. And I hope it can be true to you. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. As my concluding thought and testimony, I, I think of, uh, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a guy who likes to work out. He's a fitness guy. And... There's something I've always kind of liked about the iron rod and the fact that it's also, we talk about uh, the iron in the gym. And <laughs> the, uh, that, that barbell or those weights, right? And as you, as, <laughs> as you use weights and you lift weights more often, you get calluses on your hands. Mm. And it's been said by a, by a guy who I really like listening to it's, uh, on his podcast, one of his guests. He said, people just don't know how good calluses feel. And of course, you, you think like, well, that doesn't make sense. Like, calluses are the result of like friction and and pain and some people they don't like calluses on their hands they think that's ugly but i look at my hands and i see just the faint faint calluses on my hands and i'm so grateful for them and i love them because it shows the work that i've done mm. if you think about holding on to that iron rod, which is the word of God. Think about as your hand holds tight to that rod and you press forward, you're developing these calluses, these spiritual calluses. And how grateful and proud you're going to be one day when you've got that hand and it's so strong and your spirituality is so developed that you wouldn't even think of letting go. You wouldn't even think of listening or giving heed to those people in the large and spacious building because you've used this rod to great effect. It's changed you. And I know that the Book of Mormon has actually changed my life. Um, wouldn't be the man I am today without it and millions of people can say the same thing I know that it's true I know that the prophet Joseph Smith was enabled by the power of God to translate the Book of Mormon and I know that if we ask in faith nothing wavering 
of our Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ, we can find out if it's true or if it's not true. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I just have to brag. I, I love my husband. He's so he's so cool. Okay. Anyway, um <laughs> Thank you for it. yeah, thanks for sticking it out with this on this long episode. This is not gonna be a normal thing. We we mentioned last time that our episode this this episode was gonna be longer because we wanted to take the time to really dig deep into this vision of the tree of life. Um we have no intention of making it this long in the future, um, but I liked it. I liked sitting here and talking, and I think um, we also talked to a friend of ours tonight. Um, Edward. Edward, if you're listening to this, we're, we want to invite him on the podcast to, to be a guest. We, we'd like to have some guests on the podcast, um, members of the church, friends and family that we have. Um, and just talk about Christ and talk about the things that we're learning in the Book of Mormon. Um, so hopefully you, as the, the listener, will be able to hear some other voices on this podcast pretty soon as we coordinate that. I just had one more thought before we go. If you want to uh, do a good study this week, read First uh, Nephi 8, and then also read about the seeds being planted in the ground and like um the bit where i don't even know where it's at it's in the bible about the seeds falling upon the rough land and being watered you know mm -hmm. you know what i'm talking about that was a bad invitation it's remember yeah. how aaron said that it was a direct correlation from the first nephi vision to the seeds being planted and how you water your ground and if your ground is like hard it needs water. I really don't, Dang. but I'm sure okay, we can well, we can add we can add it in here if we want to look that up, and we'll add it in the in the post production. Oh, All right. Okay. Sorry, guys. Have a good day. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. See you next week. Hey, this is Shelby. I found the reference of what I wanted you to compare um, the groups of three people traveling along the rod um, in the and compare it to the Bible. It's in Matthew chapter 13. It's the parable of the sower. And I encourage you to study that and find the correlations between the people in the rod and the parable of the sower. So have good studies. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>